Hey, when we are in Christ, we are always winning. We are always winning. There's a song, um, uh, we'll get to that. Uh, it may not always feel or, or look like we're winning, of course, but we are always winning. This morning when you woke up and you got out of bed, you were winning, big time. If you are in Christ, and that's the contingency, you're winning. You're winning. What does in Christ mean? Because that's, that's, that part is part of the verse. It always leads us in triumph in Christ. In Christ. Um, we're in the United States of America right now. And in the United States of America, we get certain um, rights and privileges. And uh, we have some freedom, a level of freedom. We have a level of safety. We have a level of opportunity that's afforded us. Likewise, when we are in Christ, we have forgiveness of sins, purpose for living, eternal life. We're in the United States. We're citizens of the United States of America. More than that, if you have put your faith in Christ, if you have acknowledged that, hey, I have sin in my life, and yet here is God offering me grace and mercy. Jesus, being a substitutionary death, fulfilling all the Jewish prophecies, and coming as Messiah to seek and save the lost, to lay down his life, take it up again, and say that he's coming back again someday. If you put your faith in Christ, if you receive God's love and his mercy and his grace for you, you are winning big time every day. In Christ, um, there's a song. Um, I just thought, hey, I'll just grab a couple songs rather than in trying to put all this theology together for myself. Look at this one. Oh, victory in Jesus. Old song. Um, I've heard an old, old story, how the Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning, and I repented of my sins, and I won the victory. Put my faith in Christ. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me. He bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. There's a lot of great verses, well, three good verses. Let's go to the last verse. It's, I heard about a mansion. He's built for me in glory. I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere i knew him and all my love is due him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood so jesus woo. yeah apart from christ if you're not in christ there's no victory there's no victory. And sure, you might gain the world, uh, but could lose it all. And so fame and fortune and wealth, so temporary, so fleeting in this life, gone in a moment. I always think um, there's a verse, uh, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And every man will give an account of themselves before God. And if they try to stand in their own merits, they'll only be further guilty uh, now of self-righteousness. 
self-reliance, just a further rebellion, a rejection of God's mercies and graces. And um, so, um, Acts 17.31, it speaks of God will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Jesus Christ. Here's another song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. The last verse of that one, if we could sing all of them, they're very good. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. And it goes to the chorus. My hope is in Christ. Hey, when you are in Christ, you are winning. You're winning. You are forgiven. You've been given new life. You have a future and you have a purpose while you're on this, on this earth. Big purpose. Full of purpose in this world. Paul says that we triumph. He says we triumph. God always leads us in triumph in Christ. Triumph. Paul wrote this, and Paul is a man that's familiar with great affliction, and he knows what it's like to have very humble means, scarcity, he knows what it's like to have prosperity. He knew what it was like to be hungry, and he knew what it was like to be filled, abundance, affliction, even in beatings and shipwrecks and false juries and jail and on death row, winning. Paul is winning. He said, I'm winning. And we're always winning. We're always winning. We're winning. How many times can I say it? When we wake up with a severe backache in the morning, we're winning. When we feel depressed for extended seasons, we're winning. We're extending the lead. We're running up the score. We're shutting out the opposition. We're overcoming adversity. When the business proposals rejected, we're surging ahead. Wow. When the spouse, kids, friends, strangers seem unresponsive to us, our rewards are just piling up, and they're getting closer and closer and closer. Look at this graph. So we have these ups and downs in life. We have some good times and some terrible times and good times and bad times. And all the while, we are going towards victory because we're winning. We're winning. Today you're winning. Acts chapter 8. Um, the early church, Jesus had died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He went to heaven. And the last thing he told his disciples, he, he told them that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He told them to go preach the gospel, make disciples. And they started doing that in Jerusalem. God's power is upon them. The Holy Spirit of God is indwelling them through their faith in Christ. People are putting their faith in Jesus and experiencing 
the end of the guilt and shame and condemnation that's weighed upon them. All of a sudden they realize, someone died for me. Someone paid my penalty. They put their faith in Christ, and what happens? God puts his Holy Spirit in them. And now they start having new desires. They start having new power that they didn't have before. They start having uh, new passions. They have a new perspective. They have a new mission. They have a new outlook on life. They have a new future that's determined for them. And so it starts spreading, and the apostles, there's so much good that's going on that the apostles are being kind of pulled in every which direction. They want to pray and preach the word of God, but they're also trying to do a lot of social things and help feed the women and the and children and parcel out. So they start picking some people and say, hey, we need some, let's appoint some um, men or some people here to take care of that part of, of distributing the food. So everybody's getting the right amount of food here in Jerusalem at that time. And so they do that. One of the men is Stephen. Another one is Philip. And there's five others. And Stephen, at one point in time, he's preaching the gospel. He's, he's helping distribute food. He's doing a lot of other things. He's preaching, and the Sanhedrin takes him in. That's the court of law, religious law, in that community. And they had a lot of um, um, governmental and political authority. Uh, they could even put people to death. And um, they did with Jesus, right? They asked the Romans to have him crucified. Um, so with Stephen here, um, coming off of chapter 7, they drag Stephen outside and they throw rocks at him until he dies. They stone Stephen. Now watch, and, and most of us would say, wow, that is a bad day for Christianity. And that's a bad day for Stephen. So let's just turn to Acts chapter 8. And... Um, Verse 1, now Saul was consenting to his death, Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And I'm reading from the King James Version. You guys might have some other versions there, New Living. Um, uh, verse 2, the devout men carried Stephen to his burial, made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, Crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So, Stephen is martyred. Persecution is, is, is heavy. And what does, that, what does that look like and what does that accomplish? It accomplishes exactly what Jesus Told his disciples to do. He said, don't just stay in Jerusalem. Be my witness in Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples. It says that people grew in confidence, and they, everywhere they went, they started preaching the gospel. Now, it wasn't an isolated city thing. It was starting to spread across the world. And Philip goes to Samaria, and everyone is responding to the gospel that he preaches there. And they are filled with joy. Filled with joy. So, um, they're winning. Stephen was winning. When he was getting killed, he was winning big time. 
And, and that guy that we talked about there, Saul, who was consenting to his murder and who went wreaking havoc, that is Paul who wrote 2 Corinthians that we're reading about now in 2 Corinthians, who's a Christian now, who became a Christian. So we're winning and we're winning. It's important for us to have a victorious attitude. Say, it is important for me to have a victorious attitude. Yes, it is. Not arrogant. It's not a better than you attitude, but an optimistic and opportunistic outlook because of Jesus. Second Timothy 4, Paul, later on, after writing 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Timothy, I think, was the last letter he wrote. He was awaiting his execution, Paul now at this time. And he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Triumphant. So, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests, makes known, diffuses, is what manifest means, diffuses through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. We are the fragrance of Christ. We are the fragrance of Christ. There are so many smells in the world, and um, apple pie is a good one. Uh, gasoline, I like gasoline smell. Mmm, smells good. Boys' locker room. <laughs> Teach his own. Um, uh, Old Spice cologne. Uh, smells can serve to attract us or deter us. Think skunk, right? We go the opposite direction. Some people like the smell of skunk. Raise your hand. Okay, there's, there's two of you, and it's... I'm not judging. I'm just... Okay. Um, so they can attract us, deter us. They can comfort us or provoke us. Smells always serve to inform us. Inform us of something. So when you're driving a car and suddenly you smell a, smell a burnt smell coming from the engine, what does that tell you? When, when I pick up my youngest child, and she's so cute, and I pick it up, but I smell a distinct smell coming from the diaper area, what does that tell me? Give her to mom. <laughs> No, men change diapers. Real men change diapers. Um, when I was dating my wife 13 years ago, and we were apart for four months, three, four months, um, she sent me in the mail a handkerchief that smelled like her. And what did that inform me of? What did that tell me? 
man, I could see her eyes, I could see her smile, I could hear her laugh, I could hear her voice, I could feel her touch. It informed me that I needed to marry that girl. <laughs> I slept with that handkerchief by my pillow. The scent gradually dissipated because it was away from its source. We need to be close to Jesus so we smell like Jesus. What does the fragrance of Christ smell like? What does the fragrance, what is the fragrance of Christ? The smell of Christ is that of unconditional love. Unconditional love and everlasting love. It's that of truth, not just tolerance. Tolerance isn't truth and it's not loving. Truth and grace. Truth and grace. It's a sweet-smelling, refreshing, exciting smell, an eternal life smell. It's the experience. So Philip went to Samaria, and he was the fragrance of Christ to that area. He permeated Jesus, the knowledge of Christ. Who is Jesus? What did he do? And people were impacted. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Fragrance encompasses a person. It goes with them. It affects the sphere. You know, if I eat at Subway, my wife knows it. I come home, you're at Subway. She knows. Um, there was a, in our local grocery store years back, there would be a gentleman that would come into um, the grocery store in the mornings. And the whole store from every corner knew that he was there because he worked on a farm. And he didn't shower or change his boots or clothes when he walked in. And there was a fresh smell of manure throughout the entire store when he walked into that store. It informs us of something. It clings to us. When we wait upon the Lord... A scent comes upon us, and it rests upon us, and we carry his identity. And people would say, you've been with Jesus, haven't you? You smell like Jesus, grace and unconditional love, power. God strategically places us where he needs us to permeate, where he wants to diffuse us. Paul says in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Just a chapter or two after what we're reading, 2 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 5, he says that we're a new creation. Uh, we have a new job. We're ambassadors of Jesus. We're, God is making an appeal through us to the world. He's put a scent upon us. We're the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved. Is verse 15. 2 Corinthians 2, where we're at, verse 15. We are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved. See, this fragrance does something. It leads people to Christ. It leads people to heaven, to God. So in a world that is filled with 
earn it and strive and you better be good enough. And in a world filled with religion that says, oh, you, you messed up too much. Or you better be better, you're going to go to hell or whatever. The scent of Christ helps people to realize their sin. But more than that, it says, here's God's love and forgiveness for you. God loves you so much. Put your faith in him. Make him your king. Live for him. Experience what forgiveness is. Experience grace and truth. <clears throat> the fragrance saves, just as the smell of cookies leads you into the kitchen, the smell of us should lead people to God. When we've been in a room, God, or the things of God, or his principles, or his virtues, or his promises should be in the minds of people. Our example in the community, they see us, and they stop, or they think. Or the next day, a thought runs through their mind. Hmm. Why is he that way? Why is she that way? The fruit of the Spirit, if we are communing with Christ, waiting upon the Lord, it will just become very strong. The scent will become very strong on us. Um, the scent leads somewhere. Here's a picture, Lady and the Tramp. This is a good movie. It's got to be 46 years, 47 years ago that this movie came out. And I know that because my parents' first date was to this movie when they were dating. And um, there's one spot where they're sharing a, a plate of um, spaghetti. And they both get a hold of the same noodle, these two dogs. And they suck this noodle until their mouths come together. And that's when my dad kind of elbowed my mom a little bit. That was her first date. That embarrassed her very, very badly. This guy on the right, his name is Trusty. And um, at one part in the movie, Tramp, who's the gray, taller dog, is, uh, he's always been a selfish dog, thinking only of himself, but he goes out of his way and he's trying to do some good things and he's saving, um, actually saving a baby's life. Anyway, he gets thrown in the pound truck. And the, the truck's driving to the pound. We know that he's going to be killed if he gets there. And Trusty, or um, Trusty on the right, whose sniffer, everybody thinks his sniffer is gone. There's nothing, nothing left there. He used to be a great um, sniffing hound. There he is in the rain trying to find him. And lo and behold, he finds it all the way, locates the uh, truck that's going to the pound. And they make the truck fall over and Tramp gets out and happily ever after. But he was on the scent that led somewhere. And when people smell us, there's an intense searching that should happen that begins to happen in their heart and in their mind because the Holy Spirit is working upon them. And um, I just thought, I, I'm worshiping, and I, I, what is, I'm obsessive-compulsive maybe a little bit. If that's the, is that the right thing? See this plug here? You guys can't see it. I'll explain to you. The front row can see it. It's in, but just not very much in. In fact, if I just tap it, oh, it's, it's staying in. It's only in by just a little bit, and it's just dangling there. And so I'm worshiping, and I'm thinking, man, a kid's going to touch that, electrocute themselves. I need to pull that out or plug it in, because it's just kind of barely in there. And then, and it, it was distracting me for a while, and then I thought, oh, you know what? That's how a lot of Christians are. We know Jesus We've experienced a little bit of the love of God, 
But that's about it. We don't dwell in his presence. We're not, so we're kind of like a light that kind of flashes every once in a while, a little bit, in short circuits. And we're meant to be all the way in, so we just shine continually. And that's what Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The fragrance saves. It's so awesome how it works. And the scent gets on us, and it leads people to Christ. The fragrance, another thing the fragrance does, um, and in your... In your back of your notes there, it's missing a blank. It's supposed to be the fragrance comforts and encourages. It comforts and encourages. Just as the smell of a mother comforts uh, and encourages an infant, and a round of applause uh, for Mark and Dusty and their new baby girl that was born this week and is here today. Um, Just as the smell of a mother comforts and encourages an infant, Um, we are to encourage other believers in the Lord. We're supposed to encourage one another in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7, uh, Paul writes, For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were afflicted on every side, conflicts without and fears within. But God, who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you. As he reported to us your longing and your mourning and your zeal for me, so that I rejoice even more. And so here we have, and and 2 Corinthians 7.13 also speaks of, the Corinthians comforted Titus, who was a believer. And Titus went to Paul. And Paul was comforted by Titus. And so we can have that effect on one another. Um, friends stopped by the church last week. And, um, and it was a day when I was just, um, you know, there's those days when you're just worn out. And you're, you are a little down. And he came in and it just for 10 minutes or so, we went back to the cafe and Maybe read a scripture or two, and, and he said, I was sitting in church last week, and he goes to a different church, and he said, I heard uh, we were talking about the end times and, and that Jesus is coming, and he just thought, I need to start counting. I need to start counting. And that was all he said, and then, and then, we, then he left, but all of a sudden I just felt a little, I gained some perspective, and I thought, oh yeah, that's right. And he comforted me. He comforted me. You are God's comfort to specific people. You're the fragrance of God that comforts other believers. Last night, there was a thunderstorm. Who heard it? It was a loud one, a lot of wind. And into our room comes uh, one of our our second boy, Levi. And he's at the bed, and and he says to Cassie, Where's Zion? Where's Zion? So I'll fill you in on the back end. 
Zion gets to stay up usually about a half an hour longer than the younger boys. They go to bed, and then Zion comes in. They're usually sleeping, and Zion goes to sleep. And, um, and so this is the middle of the night, though. So we've all been sleeping for a couple hours. And um, he says, where's Zion? She goes, he's in bed. No, he's not. We go, yeah, he went to bed. He's in his bed sleeping. He's like, okay. And that's all he needed. And he went back, and he felt safe in his bed if he knew that his older brother was also in his bed above him in the bunk. That was fine. We didn't even have to talk to him about the storm. He just knew that Zion was there. It's okay. It's all right. Same thing happened a couple weeks ago. Um, Our oldest daughter was spending the night at Grandpa and Grandma's house, and our middle daughter is in her bed for an hour and a half going, Oh, Selah! Oh, Selah! And crying, Oh, Selah! Go to sleep. <laughs> she feels comforted knowing that her sister is there. Guys, we are the fragrance of Christ to one another, to comfort one another. Remind each other of truth. Pray for one another that we might be encouraged. Thank you, God. <clears throat> um, a timely call or visit, a timely word, a note, a text, a gift. Um, also, we need to learn, this, this, one is, this one is getting me. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I know that I'm supposed to love people. You know, I may not like them, but I need to love them. I was challenged this week, no, no, I also need to learn to like them too. What? <laughs> learn to like other believers. Find the things in, that God's done in them or he's doing in them or how he's wired them and learn to like them. So, we are God's fragrance. We are the fragrance of Christ to those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Perishing. The fragrance saves, the fragrance comforts and encourages, and the fragrance exposes the unrepentant sinner. John 3, 19 through 21, this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth, humbles himself, comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. When we smell of Christ in the world, um, it will expose sin. And grace, grace and mercy, they expose pride and they expose self-righteousness because people resist it. They'll be offended at the thought of that they're not good enough or that they uh, need God's forgiveness um, or that they're not in control, that there is a higher authority that they're accountable to. Um, if people don't humble their heart, there's only, the heart can only do a couple things. It can humble itself before God, its maker, or it can resist him and justify itself and make itself God, make itself the authority and the interpreter of reality. And so... Um, Black light, did you know that black light exposes dog urine? Look at that. 
Wow. Um, you know what? The truth of God is, is beautiful. But next to it, you know what we saw at the crucifixion? We saw the worst that man had to offer. That's that new baby. Oh, cute. That's so cute. This is just a picture that will blow your mind. The crucifixion was the worst and the darkest, um, the darkest, the darkness of humanity, of humankind. It was our jealousy and vengefulness and pride and uh, viciousness on display. And at the same time, when our worst is on display, God's best is on dis display. Jesus allowing himself to be crucified. The love of God won over the darkness of humankind, mankind. What a picture. What a picture. But it exposed. You could see in that moment, light really exposes darkness. Really does. It, the contrast is just so visible when it's there. And, um, and that'll be the case with us. And don't let pushback deter you. Don't let other sniffers determine your validity or how you smell. To God, you smell wonderful. You smell wonderful to God. Uh, Luke 10, 16, Jesus said, The one who listens to you listens to me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. And so there's a smell um, a lot of times, it's a smell of impending judgment. It's offensive uh, to the proud. And so, um, it's not a good thing to reject the grace and mercies of God. We know that. Um, verse 16. To one, the aroma from death leading to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. When we experience the love of God upon us. It does something in us. And, and um, as we commune with God and we wait upon him and we read his word, when we entrust, start taking some steps, baby steps of obedience in the instruction that he's given us, the commands that he's put before us, when we start to trust him more than our own mind, more than our own reasoning and our own justifications, and we start to obey him and see his track record and we take baby steps of obedience, um, we will have the scent of Christ in the world. And to some, it will save. And to others, it will comfort and encourage. And to others, it will expose. And it will further their, their just judgment that awaits them. Um, but we're not, it's not us to make anybody accept anything or do anything. We're just an aroma. We're just to be a great aroma of Jesus to the world. And, and in doing that, we are a great smell to God, and we are winning. We're winning. You're a great smell. You smell so good to God if your faith is in him. Lord, we thank you for this morning and um, for the reminder Man, God, it's so easy for us to think that sometimes we're losing or, or sometimes we're experiencing a setback or sometimes, we're, and it's not true. It's not true. When we are in you, 
And when our faith is in you, we are winning. We thank you, Lord, that we have victory in Jesus, Lord. And our, we, again, Lord, this morning, just focus in and remind ourselves. Uh, we put all of our hope in you and all of our trust in you. And, Father, for, um, we thank you for the scent that you put upon us, the transform, transforming work that you do in our life. And, and uh, let it be, Lord. Let uh, us uh, be your smell in these communities, Lord, and in our workplaces and in our schools. Diffuse, Lord, your unconditional love. and Diffuse, God, discernment through us and God we know you are at work and you're doing some very big things in this time you're always accomplishing a lot and we're so grateful for that Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.